My name is Valerie Payne, and this is the podcast Finding Unity. I started this podcast because of a personal experience that helped me to see the need for unity in our society right now. I hope that you will come along with me on my quest to find unity as we seek understanding, connection, healing, and love. Hi, this is Valerie Payne, and you're listening to another episode of Finding Unity. And today I have Rod Porter on. Rod, do you want to say hi really quick? Hello. Um, and Rod's going to be telling us a little bit about an accident he experienced. But first, Rod, I was wondering if you could just give a, a little bit of background of where you're from originally, where you grew up, just a little bit about yourself. Sure. I was uh, born in Centerville, Utah, and I grew up with uh, three siblings, two older brothers and a little sister. I then moved to Texas for a couple of years and then back to Utah and I grew up the rest of my life back in Centerville, Utah. And then when I was 20, I moved to a place called Bullfrog, Utah. And then right before I was 27, I moved from Bullfrog on my way to Lehigh. And that's where my accident happened. Wow, okay, so lots of different parts of Utah and then you had your accident in Lehigh. So do you wanna tell us a little bit about the accident? And yeah, I I just found out more about it today. So yeah, go ahead and tell us a little bit about what happened. Uh, Sure. Five days before I was 27, I was moving from Bullfrog, Utah, which is the Utah end of Lake Powell, to Lehigh, Utah. And so on January 28, 2012, or the 27th, 2012, I went down to Bullfrog and loaded my stuff by myself. And on the 28th, I left Bullfrog ready to, with all my possessions and three cats, and going through Spanish Fork Canyon, moving to Lehigh. I, my memory cuts off three hours before the accident, and, and the last thing I can remember is closing the truck in the, the back of the truck, and then I woke up in the hospital. But in the meantime, I had driven off a 100-foot cliff at the top of Spanish Fork Canyon, uh, driving about six, 55 to 65 miles an hour, and landed nose first, on, in the truck and broke every bone below the waist except my left femur and my ten toes. Broke my back in two places. My right wrist was shattered. My jaw was broken apart and then part of it was shoved up into my brain and tore white matter. And I was paralyzed from the left knee down. Wow. And you told me that you were in the car for an hour and a half while you were alert you said yes i did not lose consciousness in the wreckage i i drove through the guardrail the road turned gradually left and i must have fallen asleep i went through the guardrail and hit a hump of sand and it launched me and i landed next to these two guys that were fishing of all things in the middle of winter at the top of the mountains at dusk and i was trying to talk to him and tell my name but i couldn't really speak because my jaw was horribly mangled Wow. But yeah, I was awake for the next hour and a half in the wreck until they could cut me out. And then they life-flighted me. They gave me a paralytic after that point. Um, And then life-flighted me to the U. They were going to life-flight me to the hospital in Orem, but they would have had to amputate my right foot because they didn't have the right kind of surgeons on site. So they... uh, Decided, the pilot decided to fly me to the U where they had a couple of the best orthopedic surgeons in the country on staff that night. And 
at least saved that foot from being amputated anyhow. It's amazing that you survived. And um, also, I just, I wonder when you were in the car for that hour and a half, do you remember like what thoughts were coming to your mind? Or I just can't imagine being in that situation for that long. I'm just curious if you can kind of help paint a picture of what that looked like for you. I, I don't remember being in the bottom of the wreck, at least not completely. Um, Sometimes when something sparks or triggers a flashback type of a thing, it will make a memory that was submerged come back. But those are just fleeting images, more or less. And and like the the bang of the impact or the the sound of of the smash and stuff or the things that come back to me. But I don't remember being in the wreckage per se. Um, but I know that. It uh, must have been all yeah. sorts of fun. <laughs> yeah. So take us back. I'm curious what it looked like before your life for you and then having that accident and then what it kind of looked like after, just kind of comparing and contrasting and, and what that was like for you. Sure. Um, man, life was suddenly very different. I, it was five days before I was 27. I had a six-month-old child. And I had just signed a lease in a new apartment in a new city and gotten a new job that week. And, and then I woke up from my coma and I spent 81 days in the hospital. And life was just different. I only had one limb that worked. I had a feeding tube and since my jaw was so mangled, I had a trach and so I couldn't eat. And for a few weeks, I couldn't even speak because the trach didn't have a button thing I could talk. So I had like an honest-to-goodness 1980s speaking spell that I would type with my one good hand and communicate. And then I learned how to sign thank you to the, the people sometimes and things. Wow, that sounds like a really lonely experience to not be able to communicate and express what your needs are. What do you feel like was helpful for you during that time to kind of make it through? Well, the only way I survived was I have an awesome family and they spent every, probably literally every second or almost every second, I developed pseudomonas, which is a deadly infection that you get in hospitals so people couldn't come around me for a little while. But barring those short times, I, uh, they spent every moment with me in the hospital and um, just kind of helped me realize that I don't know, life might be different, but uh, one day at a time you could uh, figure out that new change. Yeah. And did you say, I'm kind of regressing a little bit, but did you say that your six-month-year-old was in the car with you? He was not. Okay. Um, okay. I was down there by myself. Okay. So yeah, he was not. That's good. That's yeah. Awesome. So um, who took care of um, your child while you were you know, in the hospital going through all of that? Um, well, luckily, the, the new lease we had signed, they let us out of the lease because it was a very well-publicized story sort of thing. And, and so it was, so we, my, my now ex-wife uh, and son moved in with my parents and lived there who live in Centerville. So it was kind of close to the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like a village raising a, a child sort of scenario. Yeah. And there was lots of helping hands and, and things. Yeah. 
What do you think was the most helpful for you during that time? And what was the most like not helpful? Like, were there things people said that you just thought like, wow, like I wish you wouldn't, <laughs> I wish you would not have gone there. And then what was helpful for you? So maybe I guess first, what were things that were maybe not so helpful just for people who are listening, who might have a loved one who was in an accident or a similar situation, I guess, what advice would you have? Um, I would say paint a positive picture. I have this philosophy of mine that I refer to as never check the weather because for me, weather is painful. Um, any storms that come or go hurt. And so I realized a long time ago that if I am watching the weather app and, and oh snap, there's going to be a storm on Thursday, whether that storm comes to pass or not, my awareness of it causes all this anxiety and stress and things that are totally unnecessary and weigh you down. And if I never check the weather, heck, sometimes a storm will come and go before I realize that, oh snap, the pain that I was feeling was associated with that storm. But sometimes I don't even realize that, that it was there. That's really profound what you just shared. And so I just kind of want to ask, cause I mean, that's really easy to do if you're literally just talking about weather, but for some people, um, worry is a very real thing. And it sounds like that's what you're really talking about is to try to not worry about the future. Right. So what have you done for yourself to kind of help you to have that, that outlook in life and to kind of make it through those anxious moments or potential worries? Well, I guess I'm speaking from a, from a future perspective in a way. My accident was over nine years ago now. And so the first three years or so, it, it took me a good three years to kind of mentally figure out the world. And it, it took me heck like nine months to even really click that I was disabled now. After a few years of being like adjusting my situation, I, I developed another strategy that I call float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And it's a boxing expression, but for me what that means is when my body can do what it can do and my pain allows it or all of the, you know, the universe allows it, I go as hard as I can. But then when the pain is the king and it holds me down and it defeats me that day, then I, I have to absorb that hit and float like a butterfly instead of stinging like a bee right then. I just need to absorb that hit and and then when I can, I, I hit back or I, I sting as hard as I can and, and then know that sometimes I'm going to get hit back, you know, but that's, that's life. It's all, it's all back and forth in a dance and just realizing that it's one day after the next and every, you have to recuperate from every loss or struggle or expenditure of energy. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that there are some days where you're able to kind of work through it, but then some days where, where you, you can't. Yeah. And in those moments, what I'm hearing you say anyway is like really just accepting, like accepting your feelings, accepting that that's where you're at. Would you say that's right? Or Yeah, uh, just surrendering what control you can and is, is appropriate, you know, but then just pushing as hard as you can and knowing yourself and pushing yourself to, to not accept you know, permanent defeat and to, to make sure that the next day you're back at it. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's really good advice for people that are listening, regardless of whatever life circumstances people are going through. I just think that's really good overall advice. Um, so I guess I want to ask as well, what were some things you mentioned your family being a great support to you? Um, what were some things that were also helpful for you to kind of develop this, this mindset that you have now? 
my family had this phrase that drove me insane in the hospital, but it's, it's turned out to be the most true thing I've ever discovered, which is one day at a time. Um, and one day at a time isn't really strong enough for, for my life back in the day. I, I hurt so much that I couldn't take it one day at a time. One day at a time for me is not seeing so much of the future that you're overwhelmed. It's just the here and the now, what you can deal with right then. And so back, back when I really struggled with, well, and some, I, I still hurt all the time, but I, I, I would break it down even further, one day at a time, one second at a time, one 10 minute chunk, one 30 minute chunk. How can I get through this 30 minutes of hell? Like, what can I do to get past this, this next chunk? Yeah. And that one day at a time turned out to be the most valuable phrase that I've heard. There's, there's uh, this book called Atomic Habits, and there's this, this uh, graph. It's basically explaining that any, any effort extended over time pays off. And it's just that you can't see the rewards if it's, if it's too soon because it goes through this valley of limited like expectations. You know, and you're, you're in this valley of, of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And, and you just got to wait a little bit longer and keep pushing before those dividends show up in that valley. And, and one day you're able to walk again or you're, you know, better than you were the day before. Yeah, I, I read, um, gosh, I can't remember if it was a TED Talk or a book I read, but it was talking about willpower. And they, they talk about the best way to build willpower is to give yourself praise, mm. whether that's small aspects of praise. So just hearing you talk about this, like, you weren't able to take it a day at a time, so you took it maybe a second at a time or 10 minutes at a time. That allows yourself to give yourself praise. Like, I made it through those 10 minutes. Yeah, I like that. So Rod, just looking at you now, I just want to help paint a picture for our listeners. So you're standing up, um, you're walking, like for anybody who's looking at you, they would have no idea that you've gone through this. So can you kind of talk about like what it looks like for you now on a daily basis, like pain level and just, you know, what it looks like for you? Because you wouldn't know it looking at you. I have had a long time to master my pain. Um, it took me many years to come to terms with it and understand it in the, in the right way. Um, but my current day actually, well, I guess let me back up a little bit. About two years ago, I um, started working here in the city and I started walking a minimum of somewhere around two miles a day just in my job. And so I averaged this month 2.8 miles a day. Um, and over the last two years, I stopped taking pain pills a couple of years ago because I just realized that after a certain amount of time, no matter if I was on the pills or not, I had the same level of pain. And so I might as well just take the no pain pills and then not have to have an addiction as well as anything else. And so um, I don't take any pain pills and I, I work full time and I um, have a full time job and I'm a single parent and just get through every day so like right now with 10 being the most excruciating pain you could have and zero being no pain at all what would you say your pain level is right now oh um i would uh if i was at a doctor's office i'd probably call it a two but as uh if i was pre-accident i would have called in sick yeah but so your perspectives changed a lot on just pain in general yeah yeah that makes sense 
Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about, and you, you answered some of this already talking about your family and how much they were there for you, but the mantra of this podcast is finding unity through healing, connection, seeking understanding and love. So in what ways has this experience helped you to find unity through healing, connection, seeking understanding and love? This accident has in every way, except the physical been a positive thing. It brought me closer to my family, to my son. It, it forced certain perspectives on me that would have been hard earned over many years um, that helped me, I think, shortcut the system. But my family has this thing where, even though I'm, maybe, I'm, I'm different than most of the rest of my family, but they have never let that color their interactions with me and things and their willingness to help in every way possible and accept me as I am and and love the differences in me has helped color my worldview because it's been tinged by their worldview you know yeah by their positive examples it's 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 the most effective teacher as an example versus you know a verbal lesson sort of thing yeah so what I'm hearing you say is it definitely helped you grow closer to your family mm. And then also, um, as I asked you before, your pain level, it sounds like it's given you a new perspective. So maybe things that you're faced with now, maybe even that emotional pain level has a different perspective. Yes, I, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, I think I have had a much different worldview than I, than I did before. Another one of my personal philosophies, which is that everybody has something which is to me like we all carry something like I carry this pain of my accident. It's just that most people's isn't so obvious, you know, and even though something might not seem like a big deal to me, especially a pain wise thing might not be a big deal to me, but somebody else's internal perspective, that pain is, you know, overbearing and things. And it's helped me to just realize that I need to just, have the view of everybody that hey maybe they're struggling right now and to try to shortcut anybody else's suffering that i can yeah like kind of give everyone the benefit of the doubt right um with what you yeah because we don't know what they're experiencing yeah um you've mentioned a lot of really great um philosophies that you have are there any other um, life lessons that you've learned from this that you want to share um I've, i've got a couple of things um, I have a philosophy that I call the never look back or the pillar of salt philosophy. And I use this um, when I have a hard habit to quit or some unpleasant task to do. Um, I quit uh, vaping and smoking cigarettes a few years ago. And that was one that I, I knew on the, the front end that if I looked back metaphorically speaking and you know gave up that progress I had made day by day then I'd be back at square one and would be frozen as you know that biblical story of that pillar of salt they looked back as they were fleeing the city and were frozen in place well that's the same thing with an addiction if you give up your your forward progress by looking back or giving into that addiction again you're back at square one and you start all over and all that pain and and effort was worthless so not looking back is something that's been helpful for you. Um, anything else you wanted to share? Any other life lessons? 
keep moving forward is one that is important for me as as you see I have not stopped moving since we've started talking here and the reason for that is me holding still is more painful than me moving around and so metaphorically speaking keep moving forward means don't wallow in pain and agony and, and have no forward progress like if you're gonna hurt anyway you might as well move forward and gain something along the way um, and then the the last one would just be a friend of mine once got in a car with me and as we drove home he, he looked at me and very pointedly said what's going well today and I thought man what a powerful statement you know if if we all just thought to ourselves or just had that kind of outlook of hey what's going well today and focused on the positive instead of on the negative our general outlook would just day by day thought by thought incrementally get more positive or more just a, a better outlook of life I think yeah I agree I've been studying positive psychology and that's a huge part of it so really just kind of trying to have this positive perspective um, Rod thank you so much for being on the podcast I appreciate it um, I always like to ask everyone one final question, and that is, what does unity mean to you? So if you want to just kind of answer and take a minute and explain, what does unity mean to you? Unity to me is, is having the perspective of I'm fallible, right? I'm, I'm very capable of making a mistake. And so if I want people to accept my faults and my failings and, and things, then I need to be progressive or proactively accepting other people's faults and and looking for the 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 positive the reasons that 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 action was okay or the um so yeah like giving people the benefit of the doubt yeah. like we were talking about and it sounds like not having this judgmental attitude but really just trying to look at people positively yeah and which again just in turn colors your approach interaction by interaction the more you give people that benefit of the doubt and and try to put rose-colored glasses on on the things that occur in life, I think the better outlook for you and for the people around us. I love that. I think that's great. And you're right. It just makes you happier when you think that way. Mm. So thank you again so much for being on. I really appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it on whatever platform you're listening to. Remember that it's okay to disagree. Unity comes when we can agree to disagree while still maintaining a love for one another. For more on unity, follow us on Instagram at finding.unity or on Twitter at finding underscore unity.